Wow, I hope you just got chills from that video. Uh, that was the first time I've seen that, and wow, that was awesome. I think we could just conclude today and go home and think about that, because that was awesome. Because the reality is we're sitting in a room, uh, there's not 200 of us in here, but there might be online and here today uh, combined, but we're all created in the image of God. Isn't that awesome? And today, uh, if you haven't been with us over the last few weeks, we're going to continue this conversation about what does it mean to be created in the image of God. Pastor Corey's been taking us uh, through this conversation here in January. And today we're going to try to unpack a little bit more about specifically what does it mean for you to be created in the image of God? Or more specifically, what are the ramifications of that? Because we talk about being created in the image of God. We talk about the Imago Dei. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes I can like, oh yeah, check it off the box. I know what that means. And it's kind of in my head. I kind of have this knowledge. I kind of look at scripture and I, I got it. But then when it comes to my day-to-day life, I don't take the lens of the Imago Dei and put it over my day-to-day life. I don't think about what does it mean every single moment of my existence to be in the image of God. And that's a really big uh, thing to talk about. And so today, uh, what I'm going to share is not uh, adequate to cover everything. But I just have a couple thoughts that I want to share with you guys. Um, Some things that I've been thinking about how um, if we're created in the image of God, these are some ways that it could impact or should impact my life each and every day. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to do a little recap of where we've been at in the conversation. Then we're going to go. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we can all gather this morning. I pray that you will help us to continue just to be amazed at this truth that you created us. And you created everything, and yet you chose us to be created in your image. And so I pray that you will help us to continue this conversation, to continue talking about this amazing truth that I know is hard for me to get my mind around. And I pray that we will continue uh, today and throughout this conversation to desire to be more and more in your image. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right. So if you haven't been with us, we started this conversation in Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis 1, we learn about how God created everything, and he created humans, and he created them in his image, in the Imago Dei. And the Imago Dei, it basically means we as humans, we are God's physical representation here on earth. We are reminders or reflections to all of creation about who God is, what he's like, Now, it doesn't mean we are gods. There's only one God, but he created us in his image to to be his ambassadors here on earth. And we see that he gave Adam and Eve this, this imago Dei, both man and woman. It's not just on one or the other. It's on both. It's on every single person, no matter what race or ethnicity they are. Every person is created in the image of God. And so in the beginning there, in Genesis 1, we see in the beginning there was perfection. There was perfection in the garden. Adam and Eve had value and meaning. They were created in God's image. They were in relationship with God. God gave them work to do. It was good work to do. They were cultivating the garden. It was perfect. And then two chapters go by and Genesis 3 happens and sin enters the world and the perfection becomes imperfection. Our relationship with God is broken. The image of God in us, uh, it's not gone because of sin, but it's been tarnished. It's kind of, there's a veil of, over us, as uh, Pastor Corey talked about the last 
couple weeks. And so it's there, but it's kind of distorted the way a veil over someone's face might, might make it hard to see them fully. And so there's a problem that needs fixed. And we talked about the last couple weeks how the gospel is God's restoration plan to restore the broken image or the broken imago Dei in us. All right, so the gospel is that restoration plan. And it, it, it's the only restoration plan that's going to work. It's the only one that's going to deal with the consequences of our sins. It's the only one that's going to bring us the forgiveness we need. It's the only one that's going to begin this process of restoring the Imago Dei in us. And if you are a Jesus follower, you are now on this restoration process. Or as Pastor Corey talked about it last week, this idea of sanctification. This idea that when you are, are saved, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, you are you're fully saved. There's security there. But we still live in this fallen world. There's still effects of sin in our lives. And if you, if you don't see the effects of sin in your life, go ask your spouse or go ask a friend of yours, and they will point it out to you. You still have sin effects in your life. I still have it in my life. And so we're on this restoration process that is fully secure in our salvation but God's working it out now here on earth. And the crazy thing is that God allows the choices we make, the decisions we make, what we do to impact this restoration process. Not the end goal. The end goal is secure. We can't lose our salvation. But here in this life, we can impact. Are we going to choose restoration or devastation in our life? And Pastor Corey talked about that last week. He talked about how are we going to choose to be part of the restoration or the devastation in this world. And today, are we going to choose to be part of the restoration or the devastation of the Imago Dei in us? And I believe that understanding how the Imago Dei can and should impact your day-to-day life can help whether you choose restoration or devastation. So here we go. How should the Imago Dei in you impact your life every single moment here on earth? Just three things. The first one is this. The Imago Dei in you brings security in your identity. Security in your identity. Has anyone ever watched the show American Pickers? Anyone ever seen that show? A couple of you? All right, if you haven't watched it, you need to watch it. It is a a fascinating show where these guys, they travel around and they look at other people's junk and then they decide if it's worth buying and reselling. And uh, it's a really fascinating. These guys are so knowledgeable about antiques, and different things, and they often look at things and they say, oh, I'm going to be able to flip this for a ton of money. I have no idea what they're looking at, Um, but it's fascinating to watch. And uh, I used to have a a great uncle. His name was Uncle Roy, and he was an antique dealer. And uh, it was fun. We would take, when I was younger, he would come stay with us sometimes, and we would take him out to go antiquing. And uh, I remember one time he walked into this antique shop, and he's just looking around, and Uncle Roy was getting a little older in years. He had some health issues. He had hearing aids. He wasn't the most subtle man. And I remember him saying, who would buy any of this junk? Like right there, the store owner's right there. It's like, Uncle Roy, don't say that. But as soon as he walked into the store, he had a trained eye to see value in antiques. And he could instantly look around and say, there's nothing worth me buying here. But then I remember other times we'd take him to Roots, or as some of y'all call Ruts, Um, We'd take him to Roots, and he would go up to a stand, and he would pick up things that I, as a kid, just thought, why would you want that? And he would pick it up, and he would buy it, and then he'd go home, and he'd sell it for hundreds more more dollars. 
oftentimes I didn't know what he was picking up. I didn't know what he was what he was doing. And I would ask him, like, hey, what is, what is that worth? Or, Uncle Roy, what is that? What do you use that for? What's its purpose? And because he had a trained eye, he could tell me what these old antiques were. It was awesome. And so I'd ask him these questions about worth and value and purpose and meaning about these antiques. And I bet all of us, I bet you, whether you realize it or not, ask those types of questions, maybe not about antiques, but about yourself. I think we all ask those types of questions. What am I really worth? What is my purpose? What is my value? What's my meaning in life? And all of those types of questions are identity questions. And all identity questions can find an answer in the Imago Dei that's in you. And think about it. Where, where do people in our world, where do they often go to find their identity? If it's not the Imago Dei that's within them, where do they go? Where have you gone? Where have I gone? You know, I think of things like, like power and wealth, our careers, our hobbies, families, a significant other, achievements. Things that in themselves aren't necessarily bad, but when they become our ultimate source of our identity, they can become bad. And do you think people ever make these things their identity, power, hobbies, career? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's a no-brainer for us. We look around. It's easier to see that uh, wherever we look. People are always reaching for things and saying, give me meaning, give me value, give me purpose in life. And a big problem with that, with that strategy of going through life, kind of reaching for different things to give you identity, is we're always reaching for things outside of us that aren't secure, that are going to fall apart at some point in life. Because the things in life are fleeting. The things in life are like a vapor. The things in life are like smoke. Have you ever tried to grasp smoke? Has anyone ever tried that? You put your hand in it and... You just can't hold on to it. You see it. It's there. It's a real thing. But you can't grab a hold of it. And there's a book of the Bible that talks a lot about how the things in life that we often choose to put our identity in, how they're like smoke. It's the book of Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes uh, 1 verse 2, the author says it's meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Sounds like a great book to read, right? <laughs> yeah. Book of Ecclesiastes can be a really hard book to read. It can also be a breath of fresh air if you kind of understand some of it. But the word meaningless there in Ecclesiastes 1-2 is the Hebrew word hevel. And you could read it like this. It would say, hevel, hevel, says the teacher. Utterly hevel. Everything is hevel. And hevel, this Hebrew word, it has this meaning or this idea of vapor or smoke. And it's used over 38 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. And it's a metaphor, basically, where, where the book of Ecclesiastes is trying to get at this idea that life isn't necessarily meaningless, but the things in life we often go after feel meaningless so often because they're fleeting. They're temporary. There's often paradox and enigma in life. You know, good things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people. Um, the young, uh, there's... The young die sometimes, and sometimes those who live to an old age don't get to see the reward of their labors. And so there's this paradox, this enigma, this smoke vapor-likeness of life. It's hevel, hevel. And that's often how the things people find their identity in. Power, or status, or family, or jobs. 
things that aren't necessarily bad, but they're often hevel because life happens. They're not a secure identity. Think about 2020. All the plans we started with at the beginning, and then a pandemic happens. That was a hevel year. There was a lot there that just we were reaching for, we wanted it, and then like that, it was gone. It was temporary, and it was fleeting. But there's something that 2020, that something could not take away from us. There was something that the heaviness of 2020 could not remove from you, and that's the fact that you're created in the image of God. The Imago Dei is still in you even after 2020, here in 2021. No matter how heavy life is, you are still an image bearer. It's a solid foundation for when the temporary fleeting things of life go away like smoke. And it's a place where we can find worth, where we can find value, where we can find meaning and dignity that will never leave us. In Genesis chapter 1, God created us with this secure identity. He didn't want us to have to reach through life trying to find these things, to have them just disappear out of our hands. He gave it to us. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, in the New Testament, we read that, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. That in Mago Day, that we had a creation that was tarnished by the fall, that has been restored by Jesus, if you put your faith in him, it's here. It's not heaven. It's not going away. And when you hold on to this truth that your identity is based on what God has created in you and how he has saved you, it gives you a secure identity in a world full of heaven. You don't have to have an identity crisis when you lose your job. You don't have to have an identity crisis when you mess up and when you sin. You don't have to have an identity crisis when someone passes on. None of those things are fun and enjoyable. I'm not saying we just... uh, sickly laugh at the problems of life. No, we we can feel them, we can struggle through them, but our ultimate source of identity and reality is still secure. I think of different people I've known in my life when they've hit rock bottom and their life just seems to fall apart. They have no sense of value or worth or identity and it just leaves them kind of floating in this sense of emptiness. And I've seen other people hit rock bottom and they're, they, they're still struggling, but they have this... They never lose this sense of who they are. And it's amazing to watch that because they, ha- they know who they are in Jesus. And so every time you examine your life and you want to feel worthless, I've done that. I do that often. I want to feel worthless. But then I have to remember, wait a minute. I was created in the image of God. I have value. I have worth. I have a secure identity. So that's the first thing I want us to think about, that every single moment of your day, of your existence, you have a secure identity because it's been hardwired into you, because God says you're created in my image. The next thing that I'd like to talk about is this idea that because the Imago Dei is in us, it gives us humility because of your identity. Because you were created in the image of God, because you are an image bearer, there's a humility that can come from that identity. See, when we have a broken understanding of the modern day, it leaves us trying to discover our own worth and value, like we already talked about. And we as humans, we are awful at assigning ourselves worth. When my Uncle Roy was great at assigning antiques worth, 
But we as humans are awful at assigning ourselves worth because we either do one of two things normally. We either assign ourselves too much worth or we assign ourselves too little worth. You know what I mean? We either assign ourselves too much worth or we don't give ourselves enough, enough worth. We're like a pendulum. We swing from, I am worth everything. I am the center of everything. I can boast about who I am. Look at me. I'm the center of the universe. It's like Gaston. You guys know Gaston from Beauty and the Beast? Has anyone, has anyone else seen that movie? Okay, a couple of you. Yeah, he literally has a whole song in the movie that's all about him and how great and awesome he is. He sings about all his accolades, how he, he eats like 20 dozen eggs for breakfast to get huge in bulk. That, that's what the song is. It's about, look at me, I am great and awesome. Or sometimes we swing the pendulum to the other side and we say, woe is me. I am just worth nothing. I am so pitiful. We throw ourselves pity parties and we're like Eeyore. And we just feel glum about our life. And the reality is, whether you bend this way or you bend that way, I kind of bend back and forth, and you could probably talk to some people who say I'm more like Eeyore. You could probably talk to some people who say I'm more like Gaston. But whichever way you bend, all of us can deal with this pendulum swinging in our life. And this pendulum swinging in our life brings with it pride. It brings with it this sense of pride because what pride is, is it's taking our eyes off who God is and who we truly are, and it's fixating on ourself. And either how great and awesome we are or how ungreat and unawesome we are. Either way, it's taking our eyes off God and who he says we are and saying, this is who I am, look how great I am, or woe is me, I should be that great, but I'm here. And so both result in pride. And I think that the Imago Dei in us, when we really grasp it, when we start to think about it, when we look at our life through the lens of being an image bearer of God, it can help that pendulum stop swinging. And I think it can do that because it reminds us of our great need and it reminds us of the great price God paid to meet that need. Because the Imago Dei in us, if we track with the story of the Bible of how it was perfect and then imperfect and then the restoration plan in the gospel, if we track with that story, we realize This all points to the gospel, to the fact that we need saved and that Christ has saved us. And if if we were created in God's image and we broke that image by sin, how can we boast about ourselves? You know, we look at Romans 3, 22 to 24, and it says this. It says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. How can we boast when we live our life with that great need? The fact that, wow, I am a sinner and Everyone else is. I'm in just as much need as everyone else. How can we live on this side of the pendulum boasting? Now we do. I do that. But when we remember that that we're an image bearer of God, it brings us right back to that truth that we tarnish that image and we need it to be restored. On the flip side of things, if we look at Romans 3, 24, 
um, it talks about the fact that this righteousness that Christ has, it's been given to us. And that, uh, verse 24, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. This redemption that came by Christ Jesus, it came through him dying on the cross. It came through him paying his life for our life. If Christ was willing to put that value, that price tag on your life, then how can we be on this side of the pendulum and say, woe is me, I'm worthless? How can we deal with this kind of pride, saying, I'm no good, I don't deserve it, when God has said, I value you so much, I'm going to die for you. And so when we hold this truth that, wow, I have a need, and Christ paid that need for me, it brings that pendulum swing to a halt and reminds us that, wow, my God truly does love me. And when we keep our eyes fixated on that, when we keep our eyes on how God has loved us, how can pride have any foothold in our life? Now it does because we're fickle people, because we swing back and forth on this pendulum. But I know for me, when I, when I, finally, when I stop and look through, at my life through this image, or through this lens of an image bearer, it reminds me of these truths. And I have to say, you know what, God? It's okay if I it's okay if I fail. And it's okay if I succeed. Because you're my God. You've already saved me. You love me. I have value and I have purpose. And so the gospel is that great equalizer. It humbles us. It keeps us from that pendulum swinging in our lives. And so in your life, how does that pendulum swing for you? Maybe right now, um, do you keep thinking too highly or too lowly of yourself? Do you miss out on chances to love others or to serve others because you keep swinging to this side of the pendulum? Or do you miss out uh, on other opportunities because you swing to this side of the pendulum where you say, woe is me, you throw that pity party, you try to manip manipulate situations because you feel bad about yourself? And I'll be, be the first to say, I do this so often. And I go over here so often. And both just bring that devastation into our lives. They bring sin into our lives rather than that humility that helps bring restoration into my life and into the lives around me. So that's the second thing I just want us to think about. The fact that the Imago Dei is in you. It should bring that humility and it should help impact your day or impact your life every single day. Now, there's uh, one more thing that I want to talk about today. And that is that the reality of the Imago Dei in you, it should give you an urgency for your restoration. An urgency for your restoration. All right? That's the last thing I want us to talk about. So if the Imago Dei in you helps bring about a security in your identity, and it should help humble us because of the reality of what God has done for us, it should now bring about this urgency that, man, I need to be fully restored into the image of God that God has for me. Um, have you ever started, started a project before um, and maybe uh, didn't finish it? I've done that before. Uh, there was a, one project in particular that I can think of. I was uh, on this family vacation about six or seven years ago. And my family, we, we like to vacation up in Adirondacks in upstate New York. 
and we were up in New York, and uh, up there in the mountains, there's this Adirondack Mountain Museum. And we would go there like every year. My dad loved looking at the same exhibits every year. Uh, I love them. It was great. I enjoyed it too. But uh, we would go there, and uh, they often had classes there at the museum. And this one year, they had classes on how to make your own paddle, and uh, like a canoe paddle, okay? Um, and uh, my mom and dad, they signed my sister and I up, and we went, and we spent time at the museum for uh, a few hours, and we, we went into this classroom, and this guy walks out, this older gentleman who had been making paddles for centuries, and he showed us his wisdom on how to make paddles. And it was awesome. And he, he had all of this skill. He, he gave us pieces of wood that we could pick out. And uh, at the beginning of the day, it was a piece of wood. By the end of the day, I had created a paddle. I could hold it up to you now, and you would know instantly what it was. I could take that thing. I could paddle down a river. It would be awesome. But we didn't have enough time to really finish up everything. I had shaped it. I had started to sand it down, but there was still more sanding to do. I then had to uh, um, put a, a seal on it so that the wood wouldn't uh, get waterlogged, so it wouldn't rot. But I didn't get a chance to do that because we ran out of time. So they gave us all the stuff we needed. I took it home, and I had the intention to finish that paddle right away. Six, seven years later, back in December, my mom and dad moved, and as I was helping them move, I saw this paddle. They still had it, and it wasn't finished yet. Now, anyone who had moved that stuff before or came and helped my mom and dad move, they would have known what it was, but it wasn't quite finished yet. Despite my intentions, the paddle wasn't done. And this, this may seem like a no-brainer, but an unfinished project, project isn't as useful as a finished project. No, that's a no-brainer. If something is half-finished, it's, it's not as good as if it's 100% finished because it's not done. There's still room for improvement. And again, that's a, a no-brainer. But if you're a Jesus follower here today, although your restoration is secure because of your salvation, your restoration isn't finished yet. You're not a finished product. You're a project not fully done yet. And you don't believe that? Just ask yourself, are you fully sanctified yet? Do you fully live like Jesus in your life? And none of us do yet. Now, that finished product, that final restored Imago Dei, and all of this won't happen until Jesus returns or we go to be with him. But that doesn't mean we get to sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Jesus wants us, God wants us to keep working out this salvation in our lives. He wants us to keep becoming more and more like Jesus. And so we need an urgency for our restoration. Because we have the Imago Dei in us, because we are God's image bearers, I want to ask you, do you desire to live like an image bearer? Is there a desire in your life to look like Jesus? We need to have this intention to live perfectly as our Savior is perfect, knowing full well we're going to mess up, but still pursuing that. And uh, just a few thoughts on how we can do that. The first, I'd like to go to Colossians 3, 5 to 10, which says this. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Um, and then going to the, the next one. 
on versus six because sorry guys but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these anger rage malice slander and filthy language from your lips do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator so here in colossians i love what paul talks about he talks about this putting off the old self and putting on the new self it's this idea that hey as a jesus follower there's now this these intentional steps we need to take because our old life though it has no power over us it's still lingering in us and it's still tarnishing the way we live and the way we're image bearers to the world each and every day and so we need to put that off but it's not just putting it off there's then a putting on this new self this new life and so we all need to take steps of being obedient to God saying hey what are some areas in my life that I need to put off are there still areas of sin in my life if you've been a Jesus follower for for one day or for 10 years or 50 years I'm sure there's still somewhere in your life where the, where this old self keeps wanting to come back into your life into your heart and so what steps of obedience can you take to say, no, I'm not going back to that? But then also, what are some ways in your life that you could say, hey, I'm going to put on this new life, this Christ-likeness? Because that's the end goal of sanctification. It's to become like Christ. It's to live like him. And so what are some areas in your life that you can put on Christ-likeness? And we can go to Galatians 5, 22-23, this uh, famous passage about the fruit of the Spirit, and we get this great list. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are all areas in our lives that I'm sure are perfect, right? They're not perfect in my life. I need to examine myself and realize which areas have I not put on yet, or which areas am I struggling with in this moment in my life because of this circumstance or this circumstance. I know for me in 2020, sometimes it was hard to have joy. Sometimes it was hard to have patience. Sometimes it was hard to be kind to people when they kept saying different things about, about COVID or whatnot. It was hard. And so there was an active step of, all right, I want to be like Christ. But this only comes, this can only resonate about putting off the old man and putting on the new if there is an urgency in your life to be fully restored. Because sometimes, and I, I'm looking at myself first, sometimes as a Jesus follower, I want to enjoy the security of being saved and not deal with the rest of it. I want to say thank you, God, for my salvation, and then I want to go on my merry way and do what I want to do rather than say, you know what? Jesus says don't do this, so I'm going to say no. Jesus says I should do this, although this is going to be really hard. I'm going to choose to do it. But if there is an urgency within us to say, man, the Imago Dei is my true identity. And it humbles me because of the fact that I needed to be saved. And Christ paid that penalty for me. Then I need to have this urgency. I need to seek to be like Jesus. And so just want us to, to sit for just a few seconds and think about. Are you okay with God giving you the security of your identity? But you're not okay of him asking you, to live like Jesus? Just think about that. Are you okay with that, but not this? 
if you're a Jesus follower, I'd want to encourage you. The best thing that you can do is become more like Jesus. It's the thing that's going to bring more joy into your life. Yes, it's going to be extremely hard and painful at times. Jesus never sugarcoats that. But it's what we were created for. And when things were created for something and they operate in that way, that's the best, that's the best existence they can have. And we were created as image bearers. That image is in you regardless of whether you want it or not. And so I would encourage you to have that urgency to live like Jesus. And as we begin to, to wrap up, just, just a reminder of these three things real quick. The Imago Dei in you brings security in your identity, humility because of your identity, and urgency for your restoration. And I'd like to invite all of us this week to just think about the ramifications of the Imago Dei in you. If you're a Jesus follower, maybe spend some time examining your, yourself, thinking about um, where is my identity lying right now? What am I putting my worth and value in? Is it in Jesus or is it in something else? Or maybe think about, hmm, am I okay just thanking God for the salvation I have, but I don't really want to live for him in my day-to-day -day life? Just, I'd encourage you to think about those things today, this week. And if you're not a Jesus follower and you're here today or you're watching online or you're listening a year from now or whenever, thanks so much for being here. That, that is awesome. Um, but I just want to ask you, maybe think about how fleeting life can be, just how heavy uh, our existences often are and how maybe you're trying to find your identity in different places. And maybe just think about the, the reality that God says, hey, you're created in my image. Here's a secure identity. I love you. I want to, you, I created you. I put my image in you. And when you broke it, I sought to restore it. Just think about what that truth could mean to you, could, how it could impact and change your life if you don't already know Jesus. But no matter where you're at today in your walk with the Lord, I just really want to just leave us with this. The Imago Dei is in you, no matter who you are, no matter how old or how young, no matter if you're male or female, no matter what race or ethnicity, no matter what sin issues you have or are going to have, you have the Imago Dei in you. Your life has meaning and purpose. Your life has value. Don't give up on it. Keep pursuing Jesus. Because he created you and he sought to restore you, even when we said, we're done with you, God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this truth about the Imago Dei in us. I know it's hard for me, Lord, and I'm sure for many of us to just live in the light of it. But I pray that you will help us too. May it help us to each and every day choose to put you first, to choose to put our eyes on you. May we say no to the pride that sin brings into our life that wants to get, take our gaze off of you. And may we choose to have this urgent desire to become more like your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.